Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Tanya TV. This week's episode will be the third and final part in my mini-series where I'm having discussions with musicians and artists. I'll be speaking with Graham Parsons, who is a musician, business owner, and um, a member of The Go Rounds, which is a band. Um, you can find The Go Rounds on Instagram. They have a website, thegorounds.com, and they are on um, streaming music platforms like Spotify. Um, and I actually know Graham because we grew up in a similar area of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I'm friends with his mom. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's get into the episode. Yeah, my name is Graham Parsons. Uh, I think I'm old enough at this point to be from multiple places. Um, but I grew up in the Keweenaw Peninsula of Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula. And then I've been sort of living in and around Kalamazoo, Michigan for the past, oh, 15 years now. So, you know, it's half my life. So where am I from? I'm not entirely sure. No. <laughs> Uh, but I have strong roots and I go home a lot. And But I love Kalamazoo. I, I definitely feel, you know, it's one of the few blue counties in in uh, lower Michigan for the most recent election. So I, I like, I've always felt that there's a little progressive air going on here. But uh, I'm a singer and a songwriter and a gardener and a creative empowerment coach and a small business owner. Um, so I'm dabbling. I'm doing the... Uh, the uh, what do they call it? The self-employment hustle, the the side hustle shuffle. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about the self-empowerment coach or creative empowerment. Yeah, creative. Sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you know, my family and I started the gifted music nonprofit. Um, I don't know. I can't. I don't know when exactly we became a five hundred one c three, but it doesn't really matter. It was you know thirteen years ago we started having this festival music festival to honor my best friend who died in a car accident. And uh, but then we started this fund called the Gifted Music Fund. And that provides free instruments and lessons um, for kids in the Q&R. And down in Kalamazoo, it manifested in an after-school creative empowerment program. So I'll roll up in there with three or four of my uh, peers, musicians, writers, whatever. And we'll just sort of allow the kids to guide their, you know, their relationship with their creative process or guide their understanding um, to that, you know, because we want to demystify it. We want to say, you know, just because you're not a singer or a songwriter or play an instrument doesn't mean you're not a creative person. There are a million ways to be creative. Um, and so we just try to normalize that and say, hey, here we are. We're adults, you know, um, but we're also cool. And, uh, we, you know, you can feel safe around us because we have no like author authoritarian slant or any, um, any desire to like, you know, limit these children in any way at all. We just want to show up for them and let them know that they're powerful and that they have so many tools that <clears throat> at their disposal, you know, if they're just, if they're willing to sort of open up to them. Yeah, that's great. And just like creating that safe space that's just like fostering that creativity is really valuable and important, especially for younger kids. 
Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, we work with elementary school kids and middle school kids and they're all like, it's all beautiful that all those stages, I mean, middle school kids are, are more of a challenge because they've, they've rounded this corner or they've like, um, in their minds, they've started to, uh, they believe they started to believe that they, they know everything, you know, they just like started that. And so mm-hmm. it's a little harder to crack, crack their shell open sometimes. But when it, when it does happen, it's like even more beautiful because they just like, you know, their light shines so much more brightly. Um, but the elementary school kids are wonderful too. I mean, it's been, it's helped me as a musician feel like a little less self-indulgent, you know, because the path of an artist and, and musician you know, can feel that way, sort of mining the depths of your own psyche. And, and a lot of people, you know, work in art beyond that. And they, they're more social artists and they're more, um, whatever, they're only writing protest songs or whatever it is. But um, mm-hmm. I think regardless of that, you know, a creative path can, you can sort of feel self-indulgent and you can feel like you're not giving enough back to the world, even though art is, you know, as we know, very powerful medicine. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of doubt along this path. I mean, everybody knows that there's no, you know, not saying anything new there, but, but they, you know, the kids teach me, just remind me of like everything that I've learned over the course of my life. It's like, Oh gosh. Yeah. I guess I've never had to articulate it. I it's just been inherent, you know, all of these things that I've gathered. Um, but in saying them now, I understand them on an even deeper level, even though I'm trying to explain them in their most fundamental, uh, in the most fundamental way possible. So. Yeah, it's been good, but we haven't been doing that, you know, since COVID. We were in the classrooms up until March, and um, we just haven't been in there. Our program is very hands-on. You know, we're right there with the kids that we were taking their hand from the fretboard and moving it, and so it's just doesn't feel good right now or safe. Mm-hmm. Are you able to do any of that virtually? We've been asked by the organizations we worked for, Communities and Schools, which is a national organization, and then KidNet, which is a local organization at Kalamazoo. And I've thought about it, and I, and I think there are aspects of our program that could work well, like the active listening and like the reflective writing. We do a lot of that like within our program. And so that could be cool, but it's tough. It's tough not being in there in the room with the kids and feeling their energy and being able to respond in the moment because a lot of kids just need that. A lot of kids, oftentimes you just need to go sit down next to them. You don't even need to say anything, you know, they just need sort of a grounding presence and then they'll stop squirming, you know, for a little bit. Um, so it's been, I I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do it virtual or not. It's, it's tough. It's not like instrument lessons. It's very group oriented and it would just, it might just be too hard. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe by the, by the fall, you know, we're back in the, in the schools. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I guess we can get into the questions. Um, so we both grew up in, I would say a small, fairly conservative town. Correct me if I'm yes. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, do you think that that's affected your outlook or how has it, if it has? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. In good and bad ways, you know, and mostly the things I carry with me are good at this point. I think, you know, the small community, the vi- like the tight knit village vibe, um, 
you know, luckily my parents were people who are very tolerant and open and inclusive. And I feel very grateful for that because a lot of people in the QAnon and the UP are not that. They're very isolated. They're very intolerant. They're very afraid of things that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I feel very grateful for that. And the people that my parents surrounded themselves with were, were, also, were also very cool, you know. And as you know, like the QAnon is this very dichotomous place where there is sort of like that hard edge, like um, rural, you know, just like gritty sort of redneck, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say, you know, just sort of like, just sort of insular, very insular and, um, culture, but there also, there's like all these weirdos in the Q and I, because it's such a magical, energetic place, mm-hmm. all the, all these artists and like, you know, post hippie hippies and, um, people like your mom and my mom, you know, who are just like, teachers and you know artists and so there there was you know there wasn't there certainly it's not a diverse place you know it's definitely not a diverse place but at least the people that my parents were interacting with and my parents had like at least a little bit more of a broad world view and so I was let in in that way mm-hmm. um and you know the small the small town the slow pace I think really gave me access to my own devices that maybe I wouldn't have had had I had more social stimulus um more like easier access to my friends and to you know even now to the I didn't have the internet until I was 18 you know so it's like (laughs) I'm very (laughs) grateful for all those things you know then the flip side of that of course is like yeah I uh gosh you know I'm still I'm still unpacking what it means to like grow up in such a small community and without um, a lot of diversity and, you know, I, I, I'm still learning and it's a lifelong process. I think I'm not like, okay, now, like I get it now and then I'm done. Now I can just sort of, you know, relax and I'm good, but no, it's a lifelong thing, especially as a white individual. It's like, there's just so much unlearning and learning to do and listening that, yeah, you know, it's, it excites me honestly because of how much there is, and knowing that I just, I just get to continue digging, you know, and get to continue listening to people and, and, and learning more about myself and about the people I love and about the art forms I love and about, I mean, so much of my life, you know, um, to my two neighbors growing up, um, were both people of color Two of my closest friends growing up. And, um, my first crush was a woman of color and, you know, and this isn't to say that like, I don't see color or anything like that. I just like, even for someone like me who was raised to love everyone, um, regardless of their class or age or race or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and even, even someone like me who was like raised around people of color, you know, and like had a very intimate relationship with these people and, and never thought twice about it. Um, you know, there's, there's so much work to do. There's almost more work to do, honestly, for someone like me who like, uh, has really just sort of used love and compassion as a compass my whole life. And, um, and what I realize, you know, when I've, the more reading I've done in the past couple of years and realizing that, that that's just, you know, that's a, that's great. I'm glad I have those things. I'm glad I feel that way. And, um, but there, there was, I think this initial stage of, maybe like almost denial of like me feeling like, well, no, like 
I, I, I can't be complicit. Like I, I love all these people. I, you know, there's no way that I would ever harm or say, or, you know, do anything to, to hurt, to hurt anyone. And so that's been like, that was the first step in the unpacking is just admitting to myself that regardless of how much, um, how inclusive my parents were or how, like how much, um, diversity and art and culture I've experienced in my life, I'm still a white man and I'm still like, you know, there's still just so much, so much to learn and, and unlearn. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that's a little bit about the Q and I, you know, I, I was always the guy at parties when there were keggers and stuff like people knew not to say racist shit around me and people knew not to say people, people knew not to say misogynist shit. Like I was the buzzkill at the party for sure. Cause I just be like, like, don't like fuck off with that. Like, don't, you know? And so I became sort of known like in the circle. And I I'd like to think that I helped elevate the sphere at least a tiny bit, like while I was there and, you know, I'm grateful I got out of the QA. I, I certainly am because a lot of people don't get out. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that those people don't have, you know, a ton of value and a ton of compassion and a ton of work, like perspective, but I needed to get out in order to gain my perspective. You know, I wasn't going to do it there. I just wasn't. And so, you know, Kalamazoo was a good stepping stone for that. And it's, it's a diverse enough city and um, it's always had a, uh, a history of environmental justice and social justice and, and activism. So it, it definitely opened me up and like, um, yeah, it just gave me so much more to, uh, to explore in terms of who I am within the world, because I was just, I was just in the Q and I was just in the UP and mm-hmm. there's only so much you can gather from that. Yeah. And I think, um, I also realized, um, like one, how lucky I was that with my parents, um, when I was growing up, I was able to travel both like in the U S and abroad. Um, and even just traveling, like not necessarily living somewhere else, but just traveling to other places that are more diverse that also really, um, affects your worldview and kind of puts things, at least for me has helped to put things in perspective in terms of like, okay, the way that things are here, like where I'm from, that doesn't mean that everywhere is like that, or that the way things are there is the right way to do things or, you know, certain views. Um, Because I know you've also traveled a bit um, to Mexico with the go rounds. Mm -hmm. Um, So that also, I'm curious, like how that experience has been (laughs) in terms of I mean, just in general, but also like probably to help expand your, your views on things. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think of the, our, like our small town, you know, Calumet, I think of that. And, and I think like, I think of the United States sometimes as like a small town, you know, honestly, and like not New York city or, you know, something like, but just like in terms of our culture and our, our perspective, I think, just think it's very limited. Our culture is very, it lacks identity, um, you know? And so, yeah, traveling, you just get a sense of like, mm, what works, what aligns with you and what doesn't, you know? And then these things are illuminated about American culture. You're like, wow, that, why I just thought that that was just the way it was. Like, 
no, not at all, you know, and simple things, even like, even like realms of anxious thought and worry. I feel like our culture, you know, is very much like a culture of anxiety and worry. Um, and I think like value, like some of the values of white supremacy, like force that upon us, you know, perfectionism and et cetera. Like, I think like one the first time we went to Mexico, this is just one quick story. I'll tell you about it. Um, I was freaking the fuck out because the guy who was supposed to pick us up at the airport was just being so chill. He just wasn't, he just wasn't responding to me, you know? And like, I wasn't telling my band this. They had no idea that up until we were on the runway leaving for Mexico from Chicago, I had no idea what we were going to do when we landed. But I got an email from Hugo, like as we were on the runway, just being like, hey, yeah, I got your flight information. I'll see you there. You know, it was just like so chill. And they, you know, with planning, with plans, people in Mexico... They don't like, you know, some, they do plan like us in some regards, but not, not so intensely. It's like a month out. We're going to put it on the calendar and that's when it's going to happen. And like, there's no way it's not going to happen. They're like, yeah, you know, it, the show is a week from now. And so, you know, we'll start to promote it maybe in a couple of days. And, you know, it's just <laughs> like e everything is so laid back and, and not, not, not careless. It's just, I think there's a part of their culture that really, understands that things are just going to play out how they do and and there's no sense in really projecting a ton of like anxiety and fear into the future there's just no there's no sense in that and that's been really helpful for me you know being there and being an anxious american and having these people around me just so relaxed and in all circumstances in the driving in mexico city like it's insane like i can't <laughs> believe i can't believe like where you have to be mentally, how sharp you have to be just to like get from one side of the city to the other. Like I couldn't do it, you know, mm -hmm. but these people, it just works. It's a living, breathing organism, just like New York city, you know, it's just like, it's amazing how it works every day. It's like, how, how in the fuck, how in the fuck does it keep going? It doesn't just sink into the earth. It's amazing. But yeah, traveling a lot in Mexico has been helpful for us as a band. You know, we felt, you know, our, our lives as like indie rock musicians and as four like white dudes, you know, um, we're never going to be anything other than four white dudes. Like we're always going to be, that's who we are, you know? I mean, it's uh, important to recognize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And so it's just, we, we have to understand that it's our responsibility to sort of buck like any preconceived preconceptions about people who are within our group you know uh, our race and age and, and occupation and uh we just have to show up in ways that that surprise people and mm -hmm. i think that's we've had we've had very open conversations about that and like when we roll into a town like each of us as individuals like we represent this entity you know so how you interact with the sound person how you interact with the bartender how you interact with every single person is reflective is reflected on our entity, you know? And so it's, it's really important to us. We've had that conversation, you know, we, you know, every year, every six months we check in and just say like, are we doing this for the right reasons? And are we conscious? Are we, um, are we exuding love? Are we, um, you know, are we, are we genuinely curious to 
to hear from other people when we're out there on the road. Cause if we're not, if we start getting tired of that, we start getting tired of listening and we really got to figure something else out, you know? That's really great. Like I've never, I guess I don't know enough um, musicians to know whether that's normal or not, but I feel like it's probably not very normal <laughs> to, um, to have those check-ins and to, you know, basically be holding each other accountable. Um, but I'm curious, like what you said, um, you mentioned going in ways that like surprise people. Do you have like an example of that? Um, you know, just like if we stay at someone's house, you know, one of us will get up and like wash all the dishes and, you know, Okay. Be very, be very conscientious. So just like, you know, just what we exude, you know, I think there's what was glorified in nineties, like indie rock was this very like inward, like Nirvana, like everyone curled up on stage. You can't see them, you know, face, like hair covering the face, like um, this very like uh, nihilistic or like, you know, yeah, just kind of like I am an island, fuck the world, whatever happens, sort of like I, you know, I'm bored, you know. It's mm. like ugh. this that mentality of just sort of that jaded, that jaded thing that was so elevated and so like I have no idea why it was so so elevated like that. Why people are like, oh yeah, I want to be like jaded and sad and and tired and you know like constantly, uh, you know forcing myself into a depression so I can, you know, feel valid in my artistic expression or some shit like that. So I think merely, you know, meeting people with enthusiasm and love and, and, and being present, you know, goes, goes a long way. And I think that I've heard back from people, you know, not directly necessarily, necessarily, but like, Oh gosh, those guys, not only are they a great band, but they're also, they're just so nice, you know, such nice boys. And, of course we've all made mistakes and of course we've all like are all capable of the worst of things, you know, and we'll continue like building upon the good things that we've done in our lives and, and changing the things um, that we can that aren't good. And so, you know, maybe I can't think of anything specific really, but really it's just like, it has been, you know, as, as we travel and as we tour with other bands and as we tour with other bands that look like us, you know, it's very, it's not judgmental, but we're, we're critical, you know, at times. And we, we use that to fuel a goodness within us. We don't use that to say, well, like, well, I'll fuck them and fuck those people for the way they act. We say, no, like, we don't want to exude what they're exuding. We, we want to like, just try to make people feel welcome and loved when, when they're in our presence and an audience too. And I think even early on in my music career, like I, I didn't give a fuck about the audience. I did not care. It's just like, I, I'm here to do my thing. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, I don't care. But now <laughs> I'm very aware that if I'm not sending love back out to the audience, then we're never going to experience that sort of reciprocal uplift that is possible at a concert. And that's like what I live for. That's the best medicine. Um, so, I, you know, I'm just more conscious of that now. And I think we all are as a band and just a little, little older, a little wiser, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um. 
Bloom Farms CBD makes great CBD products, and they're also a great company. They believe in sustainable farming. They lab test all of their products and have a one-for-one program that donates healthy meals to food banks for all products sold. You can find them at bloomfarmscbd.com. And for 15% off, you can use my code 15TanyaLevy. That's 15TanyaLevy for a discount. So as an artist, how have you managed things or how have things been going since COVID? <laughs> it's, you know, at first we were all, we, no one knew what was going to happen. You know, we still don't know, but re- no one knew anything at all. And the United States doesn't like to listen to, you know, the warnings or the science of other countries. And so we just didn't have access to that early on. Well, certain people in power don't like to <laughs> right. others. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, I just yeah. think like the, the people who are passing, like disseminating that information on are just like fucking willfully ignorant, you know? Yeah. Um, so at first it was kind of just like, well, we're just going to reach out to all these people. We had a tour book for May, like the first week of May. We were going to go through Canada and up to Montreal and then down through the East Coast and through upstate New York and it was our yearly spring East Coast tour. We do one every year and we were really looking forward to it, of course, and had to cancel it. And and since then, it's just been a slow realization that, um, yeah, we just, we just might not get out there again for another year or more. Um, and so for me, it, it took my body a long time to catch up to that. Uh, the recognition of that void. It took my, like for, for the longest, you know, for four or five months, I was just going and doing and just like, well, this is what it is. This is what it is. Just go do, 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 you know, just live life, not think, you know, just carry on and, you know, wear my mask and wear my gloves and do my thing and stay away from people. And, um, but just like a month ago, it kind of just walloped me, you know, in my body. And I, I got really I just like, I, I lost it, you know? And, and at first I was just like, what's going on? I'm like experiencing this really intense depression and, and mania. And, but then I, I realized it's like, Oh no, like, I think my, I think my body is just finally catching up to the reality of, you know, this thing that I've used my, almost my, like half of my life now, since I was 14 or 15, I've used this thing to process my own trauma and emotions and and struggles and um and then it was just gone you know i've done it for 17 18 years like consistently like i've played you know around 100 shows a year 80 to 100 shows a year for the last you know decade and so for that to just be gone it's not just like oh i miss playing shows that you know my 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 whole essence, my whole being has this huge hollow void in it now. And it's not like you can just say, oh, I'll just fill it with this and that and this and that. And there's nothing, there's nothing that is the same shape as that, that hole. So you can't fill it entirely. And I've just sort of been recognizing the seriousness of that in the last month or so and, and really feeling it. And, uh, um, I know that this is a temporary thing. I want to believe that. And I know that there's so much more to life, but 
Like, but this was the thing that I was giving all of my life and love and energy to, you know, this is the thing. And, and it wasn't in vain. And I went through so many periods of intense self-doubt and I quit so many times to know that it wasn't in vain, to know that this was my path, like this was my divine purpose. Mm. And so I'm just, you know, <laughs> reckoning with that a little bit, you know, just my divine purpose evaporating. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we've we've done a couple um, pre-recorded sets and we rehearse like once a month, but it's been a change, you know, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like every week of my life for the last, again, decade, I would be out touring. If it wasn't for a longer stint, I would be out. That's what I was doing. And, you know, of course, I made my money that way too, you know, that's how, that's that was my work. And so now I don't have that either. And So it's just been a lot of like, you know, just catching myself when I fall, you know, there's a lot of that, just making sure that I'm there for myself when, when I start to feel that swing downward. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have a good support system as well? Like with the band or family and stuff that, that is helpful. Like when you're feeling those, those things, or, I mean, I don't know, I guess, it's like how, what's the solution? Because in order to get back to touring and, and all these shows that you were used to doing, basically COVID has to go away, <laughs> which right. is very uncertain. Um, so I don't know, like, have you thought about, I mean, maybe you're more just like concerned with kind of day-to-day things. Um, but I don't know if you've thought of any like potentially longer term solutions or like things like tools to help you. Yeah, definitely. I've been, you know, music, music can exist and I can create music and I can collaborate and I can record and, and that's really rewarding. You know, um, that feels really good. It's not the sharing. It's not like this giant, like uh, this orb in a room that is, is, being uh lifted up you know by an audience and by performers and passed back and forth it's not that but there is a lot of good there and i can at least express myself and then at least get sort of like some immediate uh satisfaction you know from that um you know i have other things in my life that i that i put a lot of time into you know my friends and i bought raised polish fire the hot sauce company oh i didn't know that (laughs) yeah like two two plus years ago we bought the hot sauce company and so oh wow um, i love that yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. that makes I sense know. why when you went to san francisco a few years ago you were selling it at the show uh-huh <laughs> yeah sweet. yeah so i've been doing that a lot you know and that's a whole like i've never you know owned owned that type of small business and so there's a lot of day-to-day stuff that goes on with that and we fill the bottles one at a time and you know, so there's enough, enough there to keep me at least like keep my hands busy. Um, the mind though will continue to wander, I suppose. And long term, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of doing right now. I'm kind of do, just like continuing to do things in order to, uh, and things that feel good. You know, like working on my house and um, working in my garden and. Um, things that I honestly wouldn't have time for if I was touring and things that like when I was touring, I'd get home and I'd be like, ah, 
I wish I had time for those things, but I'm just, I need to recharge and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and we leave again in two days. So should I even start anything? And um, so it's been, uh, there've been a lot of positives for me, honestly, like it's been hard and I felt the void, but I've also felt like I wake up and I don't have this, like, <gasps> this like, Oh, like shit. I, you know, as a booking agent, I've been a booking agent for our band too. You think and look like six months in advance. So you're all, you're living your life six months in advance. You're like, okay, in, in six months, I'm going to be here. Yeah. New York and Vermont. And you, it's really hard to stay present. And when you wake up, you're like, oh shit, I gotta like get to work on what's going to happen. You know, six months in a week from now, I better get to work on it. And so it's really drawn me back in to the present um, COVID has and, and it's made my outer circle smaller and it's widened my inner circle. Um, and I've been closer with my family and closer with my friend, you know, it's just, I communicate more with people that mean a lot to me. Um, as before I was just sort of like, I don't know, whatever, taking it for granted that they were out there. And because I was so busy and interacting and doing my thing, it, you know, I didn't have that time to reflect, but it's been, in many ways, it's been really nice. And I think it's been really good for me and a lot of artist friends. I know people who haven't taken a break from touring in mm-hmm. 10 years, in 10 years, they just haven't done it. So I hope they're out there learning about them, learning about themselves, you know, and, and realizing how much more there is to the day to day. And I'm sure they are, you know, all those beautiful artists out there. I see them, I hear them, they're, they're talking, they're, they're moving, they're shaking, they're, they're getting behind causes. There's, you know, all these artists raising money for all these funds and causes. I'm just like back, you know, back to the artist class. Like it's always been the artists working for social change, even though like right now we're sort of in a, in a place that's really difficult, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't, don't have any means of income. And so. But it's inspiring to see people continuing to do it, continuing to interact with their fans. Some artists are thriving. Some artists are doing better than they were pre-COVID, I think. Mm. They, just had, they just had the tools and the, that type the personality that just allowed them to sink right into um, a, more, a, digital, yeah, a digital interface with their, with their fans. And I think they found more like, recognition through it, which is, which is great, too. So... Do you have any projects or albums that you're currently working on and what do you use as inspiration to create music and art? Cool. Yeah, we, we started a bunch of recordings last year. Um, gosh, it's been, a, it, it happens every time we start these things and they just get dragged out. You know, we were set to finish it before we went to Mexico last year and then it just didn't work out. And then the producer and his partner had a child like shortly after uh the new year and then covid and so we just really got back into finishing these recordings a few months ago but yes we have a bunch of new songs or sort of older songs to us but new recordings that we've been working on and um really excited you know i think everything that we do like becomes like the next best thing that we've done. It like becomes the thing that we're most proud of. And um, so right now we're just trying to wrap up eight songs and for each track, we're going to release them as singles, which is something we've never really done before. And I realized that the album format has sort of been dead for a long time now, Mm. you know, you know, and like even, even thinking about the way music was, 
you know, fifties, sixties, you know, it's just singles. That's what it was. That's like how artists made their money and that's how they got recognition. They put out one song at a time and the companies would just promote the hell out of that one song and they would sell, you know, the Beatles would sell whatever thousands of copies of love me do, you know? Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to put songs out one at a time and really give our energy to each one and just sort of promoting them, but also, um, just like honoring them, you know, and just saying like, because we, we took so much time in creating them, not just writing them, but then arranging them and then recording them. And usually when we're done with a body of work, we're sort of done with it. You know, we're like, ah, get it out in the world. And we're terrible at self-promotion. We're just mm. the worst. And we've had, we've had booking agents that have told us that, you know, when people have been working for us, they're like, you guys got to do more of this and more of that. And we're just like, well, that's not our job. You know, that's like people go to school to be like publicists, you know, people go to school to be music manager, music business managers. It's like, I just can't do it. I never, I never really fully gave into like um, this concept that musicians have to do it all now. And musicians sometimes just admit, they just say that they just like sort of uh, forfeit like to that concept like oh yeah i have to do all these things i'm just not not quite there i can't be on the computer six hours a day doing that shit anyways i digress but we do have these <laughs> songs we do have these songs i'm put we're putting out and uh, each one we're going to connect with one of our favorite visual artists that we've met over the years hmm. um we're gonna have them create the art for the song for the specific song um and then we're going to promote their art via our song release and really and tell the story of how we met the artists, tell the story of what inspires us about their art. Um, and I think it'll probably go vice versa too. You know, they'll probably have stories about our music and how they met us. And, and then I think we'll like sell the prints, you know, and split the proceeds between us and them and, and a charitable organization. Um, and just cool. sort of, yeah. And just sort of focus on each song for like six weeks or something like that. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think that's like all people really have as far as, you know, like music listeners, they just don't really have the, uh, whatever, you know, people, people just don't really want to eat a full meal anymore. They just want to have an appetizer and, you know, and a drink and get back out on the streets. I mean, and, I'm a fan of albums, but that's good. That's <laughs> good. And, and I know that I'm, I, I'm like, making generalizations of course but i just mean like the spotify generation i just yeah. mean like the way the way people listen to music now is so much different myself included i love mm -hmm. spotify i do um but i definitely have a ton of vinyl too and i love putting on a vinyl and listening to the whole thing um I, so i don't mean to be general and just say like ev everyone sucks at listening to music now <laughs> i just mean like yeah, i think yeah it's probably a fair fair yeah, yeah, yeah. Our attention span, our attention span has definitely gotten much shorter. You know, you can see it. I like when I watch, I don't have a TV and I haven't had a TV for years. So when I go home to my parents' house and I like watch commercials, my eyes like burn. Yeah. There's, there's so many cut, like rapid cuts and everything is just so over, like too much stimulus. But mm -hmm. so that's where we're at. We've got those eight songs. They're almost done. They're really special to us. Songs we've been playing live for, the past couple of years and um so yeah excited about that we've been working with ben cohen in, in toledo again he's part of this band called heavy color mm. um which, which is cool you might you might be into instrumental like future future jazz world beat stuff he's done some Ooh. cool projects he did a cool project in the congo 
with Higher Grounds Coffee, where he went to the Congo and did a cultural exchange and created a bunch of music with these people from the Congo. And they just... His artist name is Heavy Mellow? Sorry, Heavy Color. Heavy Color, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. And then they just also released this uh, the soundtrack to this movie called Invisible Hand, which is like um, like a Mark Ruffalo executive produced thing, but it's about indigenous mm. rights, indigenous Ooh. rights to land and water. And um, wow. So, so that's cool too. But he's, he's an amazing, he's an amazing creative force and he's been the fifth go round since 2015. You know, he's produced all of our music since then. And mm. I've really, he's just been invaluable to us. He's, uh, he has that, that outside perspective that we desperately need when we get too far into our own little world. And so, so check out heavy, check out heavy color. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a specific date of when you're going to start releasing the songs or the singles, I guess? I think, I think 2021, you know, we'll start like maybe February is reasonable to say we want to give the artist, you know, we want to really like have two out two finished and send them off to the artists and kind of whoever gets their art back first. That's one, one we'll release. And, so yeah, I think early, early in 2021, we'll start putting that stuff out there. Um, as far as what inspires me, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I don't know, everything really, you know, I, and I don't want to be too vague and boring, but really uh, I gather a lot of inspiration from the world around me and I gather a lot of inspiration from nature and from films and from from conversations I have with my friends and from good visual art and, um, and from like exercise, you know, like often that'll be the thing that catalyzes a creative spurt. It's just like getting, really getting into my body. Um, and reading, you know, reading is kind of like a one-to-one thing for me. I I write as much as I read, you know? Mm. Uh, so I, I know that about myself and I also know that writing is a muscle and so it's not just about being inspired, but it's about, it's, a, it's about um, one, giving yourself the permission and then two, like, like just sitting in that, sitting in that permission and taking the time. And um, yeah, I mean, so the inspiration just kind of comes throughout the, throughout the day and it comes in spurts and it comes in cycles too. And, you know, recently during, during COVID and during like the movement that's happening right now and. I felt so inspired in other ways that haven't necessarily been like musical or creative. Mm. You know, I felt, I felt inspired to just, like I said, within my inner circle to sort of reach out and touch base and connect with people on a, on a deeper level that that's felt really good to me as far as like being inspired to do things. I felt really inspired to make my home a more beautiful place, you know? And so I've been, um, been doing that, but, yeah, really, it, I'm trying to remember, you know, where it came from. Initially, people ask me, so how'd you get into music, you know? And I just, there's no, it's also gradual, you know, life in general. And, and the, the things we get into is also gradual. There are milestones along the way. And there are things still that I can, like, touch on that I, you know, I can say, well, this is why. This is what inspires me. You know, and part of that is my dead friends, you know, the people who have gone, the people I've been in bands with who aren't here anymore. I think about them a lot. Like they inspire me. Like every time I get on stage, I think about them um, because they can't do it. And that's what they were here to do. 
that's what they were on this earth to do. And I knew that about them because I got to fortunately cross paths with them and drink in their essence. And so I think about them a lot. Um, but yeah, with Spotify now, I've really like, I resisted it for so long, but now it's, I just love it. And, uh, I've just been finding so much great new music that's been really inspiring to me. Um, comparing myself less to others and just feeling just like, holy shit, there's just so much fucking music out there. There's no sense in creating a comparison. Like, what's the point? Or like feeling mm. down or feeling, you know, judging yourself or feeling unworthy. It's just, just do what feels good, I guess. And, and hope that it resonates with, with others. All of that makes sense to me. What, what inspired? What inspires you? What inspired you to do a podcast? Oh my goodness! Now you're asking me questions. <laughs> um, well, for the podcast, it's been basically the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and the mm-hmm. death of George Floyd, among you know countless others. That when I was back home in Michigan, you know in end of March to July, I also was just like kind of really frustrated with the world and felt like I needed to say something. And I had never been very um, publicly speaking about my opinions on social media. And so it kind of started out with just like little video recordings of myself speaking and then that transitioned into like trying to do Instagram lives. And then that transitioned into doing Instagram lives with friends where we were having discussions on different things, topics um, that I felt were important and relevant. Um, And then after doing a few of those, um, a friend of mine was like, you know, the people need to hear your perspective and like, this is important stuff and you should, you know, record it and like Tanya TV. And I was like, really? Is it that interesting? Um, And yeah, so that's where it started. Um, So what words do you want to leave people with? And what do you think people should be focusing on right now or keeping in mind these days? Wow. Yeah. I thought about that when I saw that question in the email and, you know, I think artists often entrap themselves in this place where they feel like, you know, they, they ought to be giving advice. Um, In some ways I feel qualified. (laughs) In other ways I feel, I feel entirely unqualified. So uh, I think the thing that I've been holding on to uh, a lot lately is just like continuing to tell myself exactly what I want to see in my life, you know, and even saying that out loud, um, saying those things like what I want in life and what I believe is right for me and for others in my life and my community, just sort of keeping the focus on those things because I've definitely. I've been a person who's like been addicted to suffering in, mm-hmm. in, in the past, you know, that's like a real drug and it's real pretty easy to go there, I think. Um, so to counteract that part of, you know, just my makeup, uh, 
I just, I just try to constantly sort of manifest and like internally and externally as well. So just saying those things and a couple other things that I thought of when I read that question is like, I, when I was traveling in Honduras one time and uh, I don't know when it was 2010 or something like that. I went to Honduras and then I went to Utila, which is this Island off the coast of Honduras. And I don't know what the fuck I was doing there. You know, most people go there to get their scuba diving certification and I was just trying to get some sun, you know? Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I met this man who was from Utila and um, we just had a, he just like, he just like made me cry in the ways that like when I've traveled abroad, I've met certain people who have said certain things that have just like totally wrecked me, you know, in a beautiful way. And he just said to me, one thing he said to me is like, you're going to live forever. He's like, you know that, you know, and this very like, um, like Buddha sort of like all knowing, all seeing way. He just, he said that to me. And then he said, we have to believe that we're a part of the majority, you know, you and I, these people who, you know, are tolerant and compassionate and who want, you know, change, better change in the world. And he's like, we, we have to believe that we're a part of the majority. He's like, we are a part of the majority, you know? And I think like in the days leading up to this election, like I, I started questioning that a little bit, you know, just like seeing the fanaticism around, uh, the current president and his campaign and just being like, Oh geez, like, am I in the majority? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I said that started to be rattled a little bit and that's been a foundational thing for me ever since meeting that person and having him tell me that. And um, so, yeah, but I, I, I do believe it. I really do firmly believe that, you know, and I believe that even people who have strayed, you know, even people who have like, I don't know who maybe right now aren't like working for love and compassion and social justice or whatever. I think, you know, there's still time for them to, to come back to it, to return to the earth, to return to, you know, like whatever the true fucking morals of Jesus or whoever people are like looking to, you know, to guide their lives. It's just, I think there's still time for that. I want to believe that. I don't want to write anyone off. And, and then another thing, that has really affected me recently is I don't know if you know the, the lawyer Lee Merritt, do you follow Lee Merritt at all? Grassroots law. Mm -mm. Him and John King are like um, really close friends and they grew up together, but Lee Merritt has been his, uh, he's an attorney and his agency or his um, firm has been representing, you know, all these families of black and brown people who have been killed by police. Mm it's been really empowering to follow him as he stands with, with all these mothers and you know, it's just heart wrenching. And this guy is just tireless and he, he's all over the country representing these people. And the one thing he said that really affected me, which I'd never just heard it spun in this way. He's just was like, don't, he's like, we can't give in to the temptation of like taking care of our family and ourselves, you know, um, which is like, I just never heard it that way. Uh, like the using the word temptation because we do, we have to take care of our families and ourselves. And like, that is like, that's so important, you know, but what he's saying is like, you just can't stop there. Like, even mm. though, that, even though that takes a ton of effort and a ton of time and a ton of perseverance and determination, it's like, it's still, it's still sort of like a comfort zone. Um, 
so I, I, I don't know. That's really affected me. Those words and, and just like spinning it in that way and saying, articulating it in that way. It was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I've, there've been times when I felt like, okay, I just got to really take care of myself here and take care of my family. And like, once I got that all managed, you know, then I'll feel good. But that's just not true. You know, there's so much more beyond that, that we have to do and give. And, um, and another thing that I've been thinking a lot recently too, is like, um, God, the, the thought of like, you only live once, you only live once, you know, you only got one life, you only live once. Like, I, I don't abide by that at all. Like, I don't like, I wish you only had, you only got, you know, only, li- only live once, you know, but the reality is, is you live and die so many times uh, within this one existence and, and really like celebrating those, those deaths and, and then those Phoenix moments where you reemerge a, mm. a different a different individual. Um, and so I've been thinking that a lot. Like I, you know, you only live, you only live a dozen times, you know, or you, only, you only live a hundred times. Um, so I don't know. Those yeah. are a few things that have sort of been guiding me in, in this time. Yeah. I mean, I think the idea of communal care and living and <clears throat> kind of rejecting like the capitalist, like individualist, societal norms of this society that we're in um that takes work to to recognize that like okay you know you can say love thy neighbor but like do you actually <laughs> like right. would you would you put them like in front of yourself and your own needs um and then yeah i mean i think like evolving as a human being um is is like a really interesting process <laughs> and people think of it differently like i guess in your case it's dying and then being reborn and then for me it's just like oh i'm evolving and i'm changing and i'm also like rejecting these parts of myself but that's like necessary to like get to my next the next level that i'm supposed to reach or molting um, yeah yeah molting is that what you said yeah <laughs> yeah shedding the bad dead skin and like yeah 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 it's great um but it's also interesting like maybe how other people perceive perceive me at least like maybe they thought oh this is the way that she is and then when i don't when i'm not that way anymore it's like oh weird like who is she now doing all these things <laughs> <laughs> you mean like um friends that you had in high school or do you mean like what do you mean specifically sorry I, i'm asking you questions again no it's okay um i mean i guess no one has straight up like said that to me maybe it's just in my own mind but um it's more i guess people from high school that like we used to connect like on a certain level and then the kind of connections that I've really valued more recently are like the deeper connections where we like really talk about the world or like our feelings and all of those substantive things. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. You know, it's like along with ideologies and along with bad habits, you know, sometimes like relationships sort of fall away too within the skin and with the skin so and that's yeah. okay definitely a part um, of it. yeah okay so last thing um where can people find you and your music 
Whoa. Uh, you can go to thegorounds.com, T-H-E-G-O-R-O-U-N-D-S.com. And there's a tab on their music and we've got a bunch of stuff you can download and merch to buy if you want to do that, vinyl records, things like that. But there's a world of music out there uh, that we've recorded since 2009. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's going to take you a little while to get through it if you're interested. <laughs>